The scripture reading for today is taken from the Gospel according to Luke, the second chapter, beginning with the 22nd verse. When the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. And at the moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the gospel of our Lord. Friends, this morning our gospel lesson has us reflecting on this story that tradition refers to as the presentation of Jesus in the temple. It's actually the appointed reading for today, this first Sunday after the uh, day of Christmas. And uh, Mary and Joseph, they go into the temple as is required by the law, and they present to the Lord, they consecrate Jesus, their firstborn son, holy and completely to God the Father in this moment. You know, there are all kinds of Old Testament like connections and theological allusions and, and anticipations of what is to come. And so what I thought we would do for the next couple of minutes, instead of me trying to extract a moral lesson out of this story, is to kind of show you some of the 
connections and allusions that are going on really in this very rich passage of Scripture. First thing we should notice or consider is that when Mary brought her child, the divine child, into the temple, this was a direct fulfillment of a prophecy from the prophet Ezekiel, one of the great major prophets of Israel. You know, Ezekiel, the prophet, is very strange in so many passages in his book. One of the things that Ezekiel preaches to Israel is that because of their sins and their idolatries, the ultimate judgment has come upon the nation of Israel. Ezekiel says that the very glory of the Lord has now abandoned the temple. Terrible indictment on the people of Israel. But then Ezekiel, in chapter 43, envisions the day when the glory of the Lord will return to the temple by the eastern gate. And so Mary, bearing in her arms the very Christ child, would have processed in from the eastern gate of the temple. What's happening? The glory of the Lord of Israel is now returning to the temple. That's what's going on here. This is why uh, Simeon sees this, and he begins to just raise his voice and open his mouth and praise. The glory of the Lord is now returning, finally, at last, to the temple. Think with me also about what the temple in Jerusalem would have represented in ancient Israel. You can still visit the ruins of the temple today in Jerusalem. The temple in Jerusalem was understood to be the meeting place, the coming together of God and humanity. It was the the union of heaven and earth, the intersection of heaven and earth. That's what the temple was. Mary is bringing, Mary and Joseph is bringing into the temple he who is in his own person the coming together of God and humanity, the meeting place of heaven and earth. So Jesus is actually the true temple made without human hands, being brought into the temple that is made with human hands. See, all of this rich connections are going on here. Uh, Mary and Joseph, they're required, according to the law, to uh, when they consecrate their son to the Lord to, to bring a sacrifice of two turtle doves or two pigeons. Is this where the song comes from, two turtle doves? I don't know. But they bring this sacrifice into the temple, and yet who do they bring into the temple but the lamb, the definitive Passover lamb, whose sacrifice of his own life is going to be the end of all temple sacrifice. That's what's going on here in this text. So rich, all of these connections to the Old Testament. So this man, Simeon, he just exclaims with great joy. He sees what's happening here, that the restoration of Israel is at long last coming to pass. And then according to Luke, what does he do? He turns to Mary, and he says, in this very foreboding tone, listen again, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed 
and a sword will pierce your soul too. Now, there are those who have said that Simeon's words to Mary here is like her second annunciation. The first annunciation being from the angel Gabriel when he told her that if she would consent, she would give birth to the very Son of God, the new Davidic King, the Messiah. That was the first annunciation. But here is Simeon's second annunciation to Mary that her child is going to meet with a very cruel fate and experience hardship and opposition wherever he goes. See, this is, the, this is the Christmas story that our secular culture and its observance of Christmases, this is the, the part of the Christmas story that our secular culture often overlooks. We just kind of sweep this under the rug. The true story of Christmas in the Gospels, everybody, it's overshadowed by the cross. I mean, the shadow of the cross is all over the birth stories of Jesus. There was no room for him in the end, Luke says, which is a sign that Jesus is going to be rejected in this world. There's not going to be any room for him. Think about the bands of cloth with which Mary wrapped Jesus at his birth. What do those bands of cloth anticipate but the bands of cloth with which she will wrap Jesus again at his death. Think about the myrrh, one of the gifts of the magi, the myrrh. Many of you know this. Myrrh in the ancient world, it was used for embalming. Again, an anticipation of the hymn that we will sing next week on Epiphany Sunday, of the gathering gloom that is going to happen to this Christ child. See, you and I... When we were born, we were born to live. But Jesus ultimately was born to die. And this wooden altar on which Mary and Joseph would have presented their son in the temple in today's lesson, it anticipates the wooden altar of his cross, at the foot of which Mary will be standing, presenting her dying son again to the world. He will be a sign, Simeon says to her, that will be opposed. Other translations uh, say that he will be a sign, he will be contradicted. Isn't that just so true? Jesus, wherever he will go during his ministry, he will be opposed and contradicted. He will preach the very word of God because he is in himself the very word of God made flesh. And as soon as he finishes preaching, people will say, he's mad. He will heal the sick. And people will say, well, he's only healing by the power of the devil. With the same hands, Jesus will use to bless and to heal. And the same feet that he will use to, to travel about the region, you know, bringing good news to the vulnerable and to the poor, those are the same hands and feet that will be penetrated by the nails 
of the cross. He will raise his friend Lazarus to life, and yet people at that point will begin to plot his death. He will be opposed and contradicted everywhere he goes. That's why Simeon says to Mary that a sword will pierce your very soul. I mean, think about that. The soul is the very animating principle of the life of our bodies. Your soul, my soul, our souls are the, are the very aliveness of the life of our bodies. Without the soul, the body dies. And Simeon tells Mary that her grief and sorrow and suffering will go into the very depths of her being, down to her very soul. You know, the Christian martyrs, many of the disciples, the apostles, they will later be put to death. They will be martyred. Many martyrs will follow after them. You know, the martyrs of the Christian faith, they will suffer in the body. Many of them will perish by stoning, by fire, the sword, traditions where some will be crucified. They will suffer in the body, but Mary, his mother, will suffer to the very core of her soul. There can be no greater pain than that. You know, many writers have said that when Abraham, the great patriarch in the book of Genesis, when Abraham is told by God to sacrifice his son Isaac, that Abraham for the next few days was just in sheer agony, but his son was later spared. Isaac was spared from that sacrifice. He was spared from death. But Mary now will spend the next 30 years knowing that the very son to whom she gave birth, whom she will watch grow up, who will be so pure, so perfect, so tender he will be, so sinless, so gentle, so loving, will meet with a cruel fate. And his life will not be spared from death. And yet, notice that Mary in this passage, she consents to what Simeon says. She doesn't raise a fuss at all. Peter and the disciples will later, you know, in Jesus' ministry, Jesus will tell them, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be contradicted. I'm going to be opposed. And what do they all do? Far be it from you, Lord. This cannot possibly happen to you. And yet the Lord's mother here in this passage, just like she did with the angel Gabriel's announcement, she yields herself and trusts that God's will for her son, that he will be the king, will still come to pass despite the contradictions and the opposition that are headed his way. Friends, Jesus was presented in the temple on a day like this, soon after his birth. But today, on this altar, Jesus wants to present himself to the temple of your very life of your very body. And He comes not to pierce your soul, 
He comes to save it because He wants to live His life in you. Mary and Joseph offered their son completely to God at that temple. And that same Jesus wants to offer Himself completely to you. Thanks be to God.